Dennis Stevenson, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School Leadership in Action podcast series today. You began uh, by telling the MBA students about your career and, and how you began in life. And I think it was because you found a girl attractive and, and you thought together you'd set up a, a new business um, changing people's style and taste in ties. Yes, but I was a student at Cambridge and she was very attractive and very impecunious. So we bought some Liberty material, made ties, went down Carnaby Street and sold them. That was terrific, but we hadn't learned how to make ties. So they all came back very quickly. So the friendship lapsed and um, so did the tie business. And how many businesses did you go on to form? You, you in a very relaxed manner, said that some were profitable, uh, others weren't but you so enjoyed setting them up. Well, I'm, I, on a good day, I enjoyed setting them up. In my 30s, by the time I was 40, I think I'd collaborated in setting up either 15 or 16 businesses. And actually, uh, none of, only one of them lost any money, and it was my money. And all the others were, most of them were moderately successful, and two or three of them were very successful. Well, if we deal with your lecture in segments, first of all, you just sung the praises of enterprise. Enterprise, whether it's a small business running a garage or a larger business, but, but said that you would much rather be your own man and your own boss when it came to decision-making rather than a CEO of a large corporation, even though you've been one. Well, actually, I haven't been CEO of a large corporation. I've been chairman of several large corporations. Yes, and I was, I'm glad you made the point it's small businesses as well as large ones. I, I mean, I'm sure it's wonderful to be Bill Gates, but I was really making the point that if I had to choose in life, I would rather run my own business, my own garage or my own shop or two, um, um, A, because it would give me more control, B, it would make sure that I could see my family more. I also think you can, with a bit of luck, you can make yourself quite comfortably off. But it's also very creative, isn't it, running your own business? And, and in the Judge Business School, they have a term called failing forward, that, that actually you make slip-ups, but, but they're your own slip-ups, and, and you learn from them, and you progress on, and you take your business on with you. Yes, I, I, I suppose it is creative. I mean, the, uh, but I think, actually, to be fair, running large corporate businesses also involves a lot of creativity, and some of the most creative people I know are people around large corporations. My reason for saying to them that, and it's speaking entirely for myself, um, that, 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 about, that I think small businesses are what I'd ultimately choose to do, and what I have done for most of my life, is simply that it gives you more control over your life. Another surprising bit of advice you gave to the MBA students was think of a career in the public sector, even though you're doing a business qualification, that actually you can then, uh, after you've served your apprenticeship in in the public sector, take those business skills into the private sector. Is that advice very much of our times? Well, it's engendered by the current recession. I mean, so many of the MBA students no doubt came here thinking they'd do their course, become wise and learned in business, then go off and get a huge job in some financial institution. And in the context of talking about that, I was saying, well, why don't you rethink what you're doing? Because we're living at a time when the public sector needs more and more skill to manage it, and where, particularly in health and education, it is clear there are going to be huge opportunities to take your skills from the public sector into the private sector. It's an each way bet. Um, uh, but, but in terms of larger companies hiring people, you said you think we're coming through the recession and they are still hiring. There are jobs there. I, there are some signs of it. What I was really saying is that whereas eight weeks ago I'd have said, why don't you learn a language or um, do something else or prepare yourself um, for job applications in six, 12 months, 
uh, its early days, but there are distinct signs of the recession being less severe than people thought, which doesn't in any way understate the terrifying intensity of the liquidity crunch, which is really the major thing we've all been through. In terms of MBA students and their CVs and sending them out, you had a term that you mentioned several times, think laterally and and make your CV and put something interesting on it. What do you mean by that? Well, I I was just talking about people. uh, For example, there was uh, one of the MBA students I know wants to get in the pharmaceutical sector and is finding it difficult to do so, which is not very surprising. And actually, in a conversation I had with him, not today, but a week ago, but I referred to it today, he was asking me what he should do, and I gave him a number of choices. But one of them was to think about how he could so change his um, application so that when he applied in nine months' time, it looked better. And he didn't challenge me as to what that might mean, but to deal with something incredibly um, mundane, well, not mundane at all, um, he might want to consider going and taking various jobs in hospitals, working as hospital orderlies, or seeing what happens in places the pharmaceutical sector sells to. And I'm no doubt there are much more imaginative um, things to do, but most... Um, serious jobs that MBAs might get in corporations, there will be other, if you like, impromptu, three-month or six-month jobs they could do. You also mentioned the recession is a brilliant time to start a business, and you started your first business Mm. back in 1972. Do you really believe that? I totally believe that, um, uh, for the following reasons. First, that in recessions, existing companies, not just big companies, tend to get caught in the headlights. Um, They tend to have other preoccupations. They're not very flexible. They're rather frightened. Um, Second, if you're starting a business when you're young, I should assume you're going to be low maintenance. You don't have to pay yourself very much. And um, you can just put your head down and charge, and you can be far more flexible. Um, Certainly that's what I found in the 70s, and I know loads of other people who did the same thing. Now, rather like Frank Sinatra, when the students were questioning you, you talked about your mistakes. I've had a few, mm. and, and I, I wish I'd realised some of them 10 years before I eventually did. One of them was, if you've got a business partner, talk frankly. Don't do it often, mm. but you know, do it once a quarter. And, and the other one was, be transparent on money. Can you expand on both those? Uh, yes. I, I, the, funnily enough, I got to the first one very late when my oldest son started a business, and he and his business partner asked me, and we went out at dinner, and it suddenly occurred, what really occurred to us, the smart thing to do was to have an agreement that you didn't bitch at each other most of the time, but you were only allowed to once a quarter when you had dinner at a delicious restaurant together. And that's worked for them, and it's worked for myself, actually, since then. Not too old to take learn new tricks. And the transparent thing is terribly important. Particularly, we Brits... We're very bad at talking about sex, about talking about money and all the other things, stiff upper lip and all that. And actually, I, I mean, in my experience, there have been several times where I've let implicit resentments on my side, other people's side, run, where if we'd be more open with each other, we could have got them out of the way and sorted them. You also said that a horse knows if a rider is afraid. Mm. Now, the title of your lecture was called Leadership in Action. Mm. Um, does that mean that really, if you're going to set up your own business, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, whatever you do, you've got to do it to win? Uh, I think that's a, a bit of a cliche. Um, I think the point about the horse knows the rider's afraid. I'm very keen, if, if you go into a business and you're frightened of losing all your money, because it is all your money or you can't afford it, 
um, almost certainly that will affect your actions and you won't come across so self-confidently. And you certainly won't be doing it to win. You'll be being defensive all the time. So to that extent, yes. I'm not sure about the... I mean, I, there's certain kinds of businessmen who you'd think they were playing a game of hardball and da-da-da, subject to the rules of the game, they're going to play up and um, play the game and win. I don't personally feel that way. I, I, um, I mean, you need... I like being successful. That's not necessarily competitively winning, but they're, they're, these are playing with words. And, and finally, you did talk about taking your family away, that family values are important to you, and, and you raised it several times, that sometimes there's, there's decisions about should I move, you know, would it put a strain on my relationship, what do others think? Students starting up might consider that, thinking, mm. well, if I went to a corporate corporation, I'd have to travel all over the world, but actually, if I ran that garage uh, mm. that Lord Stevenson spoke of, I might have a better family life. I think they, personally, I think they'd be right to think that way. Um, that doesn't mean to say that jet-setting international corporate executives can't have good relationships with their children, particularly with new technology, which allows them to webcast and do prep at 2,000 miles distance in violin practice. Um, but it's a lot more difficult, and I think one of the main attractions of being in a small business is to be able to spend time with your children. And it's been, uh, I personally, and a lot of the people I know who've got the best relationships with their children have actually always put the relationship with my children above anything else I'm doing. And that sounds like an awfully past statement. It just happens to be the truth. You started the lecture by talking about the recession, and, and you think it's a moderately strong recession, recession, but not as bad as people have talked about. Does that mean MBA students sending out their CVs should perhaps be more optimistic than they might have been at the beginning of the year? It's a difficult thing to say yes to. What, what I was really saying is, uh, the point about what's happened recently, there's been a huge liquidity crunch. The first failure in wholesale markets, I believe, since 1913, and which itself has compounded the recession, which is a more conventional thing. That happens once every 10 years or so. And there are signs the recession isn't going to be as cataclysmic as everyone feared. It's still pretty awful. I mean, you've seen huge drops in GMP. And um, what I'd say is, yes, I was saying to the students... I wouldn't stop applying for jobs. I think you're going to, corporations, if this goes on, are going to feel more confident and giving more. But second, I'm saying, hey, think about doing what you might not have thought about, starting your own business. Third, um, think about alternatives. Think about going into public sector jobs which have private sector potential. Um, and uh, fourth, above all, at times of instability are also the great times of opportunity. I know that sounds like a cliche, but it happens to be the truth. Well, that sounds a good point to end. Dennis Stevenson, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School Leadership Series podcast today. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it too.